Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Shent to be Human. This will be episode number 59, and it's going to be entitled Death, Divorce, and Dysfunction in Writing. And you're probably saying, what has he got himself into now? But I've noticed that these were, I wouldn't want to say popular themes in writing as of late, but uh, they're certainly recurring themes, that's for sure. And I thought we'd talk about them to see uh, what effect those sort of things have on a person or maybe even on their writing or possibly the state of mind, which sometimes can be both. All right, well, the first one uh, being death, okay? Now, if you think about death, and and I really object to the people that say, well, you know, you've had a death in your family, you've had something close, tragic happen to you, so therefore you need to just stop writing. And to me... There's never really a good reason to stop writing unless it's something of a of a physical nature, you know. Um, or if you really feel you're just blocked and you can't get anything done, that that's fine. But, you know, who's to say that, you know, you've had someone close to you die and you can't, you know, resume uh, writing in a couple of weeks. I, I don't know what rule out there that suggests that you're supposed to stop writing until your mind clears up or whatever. Death affects people in different ways. It also affects people in long-term spurts i mean i didn't write about the death of my father till like 30 something years later and that wasn't a plan i didn't have a plan like nope not today nope not today until i got to 30 something years later it's just that's how that's how it went why i don't know maybe i could have did it early if i thought about it but again it's not really something you want to dwell over over time that's that's how you get over it by not dwelling on it so it's hard to know but what i do know is that no one says that you can't allow that to help shape some of your some of your writing afterwards. Maybe you don't like what comes out and you discard it, or maybe it's something you can use later on. Maybe you're just sort of building the frame or the skeleton of something that later on you can you can build upon. But I always think that as long as you can write, you should write. And I really think that people who wait too long or wait longer than they should after some kind of traumatic event like that. Uh, they wind up falling into some sort of writer's block. And it, it almost becomes self-imposed because, you know, they feel strange or guilty because they're writing, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because what does a dead person have anything uh, to do with your writing in, in terms of them wishing, oh, he shouldn't write while I'm dead. I mean, they probably wishing you on. They're probably wishing you the best. So that shouldn't be a problem. And and sometimes people just get that survivor's type guilt thing, right? Again, do not allow that to stop you from writing. I think it's a bad idea. Write. Um, remember, um, especially in the early stages, uh, after you're coming off of an event, some of the writing is going to be more therapeutic or, or confessional, and, and that's not a bad thing either. It might not be all ready and fit for print, and there's nothing wrong with that. Not all writing that you do is going to be fit for print anyway, so why not just write then? Get it out of your system 
see some of the good and the bad out of it and and to sort of get back into the you know the mental practices of doing of doing the writing there's simply nothing wrong with that i see a lot of poetry especially about poetry about death you know some of it good can hit home make some some points you know and and some of it not i mean Obviously, I'm not trying to make light of death, but it is really difficult to get some new theme on death. You know, it's been around a long, long time, and it's kind of hard to find something really new about it, or really interesting about it, uh, or something that is going to really eye-opener to somebody. More times than not, um, your tale can be more about yourself handling the death more than the person because when you write about the person after they've died i mean unless they're really really a bad abusive person to you or something i mean it's really just going to be a a mini biography about all the wonderful points that they are you know and to me it, it, i never think it, we get the full picture of somebody that way because again the, the writer is not willing to do a full picture it not really do something as three-dimensional they're just going to write whatever the highest the best points are and uh, we're getting a Hallmark card. We're not really getting the whole person, you know. And they feel too probably strange to mention anything bad or negative or whatever, you know. I remember reading something from somebody that I could tell that the person um, during the course of their life uh, was either a drug addict or an alcoholic or just somebody with some serious addiction problems. But they never, they never wanted to admit that in the poem. But you could just tell that's what they were skirting around. I don't know why it was such a bad thing to admit that. You know, that's what they were tackling with. Uh, they didn't maybe succeed in the end. Or maybe they did succeed in the end. They don't want to bring... I don't know why you don't want to bring that up. I don't know what's so embarrassing about it. You know? That's who that person was, unfortunately. For the good or for the bad. But, we're, you know, we're human as well as we're writers. And sometimes we just want to dwell on, on that best thing. Just to make it all look wonderful in the bow. That's not always the best writing. It's none of the reasons why I do recommend people writing after these events because sometimes their writing tends to be more honest and truthful than it would have been six months later you know six months before the guy's a complete jerk six months later you're writing about you know he's floating up with there with angels and you know playing up playing a violin so that and that doesn't really help anybody uh, posterior or not i don't care it, it doesn't really help if you can't really stick to the truth maybe you shouldn't be writing about it then just do it as a lesson in, in your notebook and keep it that way. But yes, I do recommend it. I think that ultimately for the writer and for the artist in the writer, it's a healthy thing to not sit around and, and dwell and not do anything about it. You know, like anything else, you, you get you get rusty, you know, you get crusty, and, and you certainly don't do anything that's going to help yourself the longer you, you, you stay off of it. It's kind of like running. You ever do a lot of running and then you get off it for a week? You go back on it, you feel like you haven't, you haven't run in a year. Because you need that that regular practice. You need that regular you know, um, exercise, so to speak, in order to really stay you know, strong and, and, and stay fresh. So um, do that and, and don't worry. Okay? Uh, one of the, and I know a lot about death, you know, in the military, personally, working with seniors, all kinds of things. So I'm not somebody that, that is not familiar with death. But on the next subject, which is divorce, I know nothing about in terms of personal life. I'm on my first marriage and 
one way or another, it'll be the last one because that's that's enough for me. Uh, but um, I've seen a lot of it, and in fact, my wife and I are uh, the only people on both sides of our family that are actually still on their first marriage. Everybody I know, from school to college to military, afterwards, they're all on the second and third. I know one guy on his fourth marriage. So I don't know anything about divorce, but I know plenty of people that are, and I see the effects that it has, especially uh, living in a military community where oftentimes um, you're, 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 you're around kids that play with your kids that only have a, a single parent because of divorce and and you, you can see you can see the effect that it has on those kids it really does i don't want to sound cliche-ish i don't want to sound like the movie of the week over here but i promise you there's a huge difference in behavior with kids that have two parents versus ones that only have one it, it simply is you can just tell there's something way weird about those kids something more wild Something more, I don't know, desperate or something more just needy. And that's unfortunate, but it, it does affect people. Um, but normally the writing I read are from the adults that have gone through a divorce or two. And now, and now you know, they're speaking about the regrets they've had or maybe the things they could have fixed or what was me. I don't know. I don't want to be judgmental, but... I can understand somebody going through one divorce and writing about, you know, these are the things I could have learned, these are the things I'll fix, these are the things I'll do different. But, you know, if you're writing about your second divorce, I mean, apparently you didn't learn too much. And um, maybe this is not the, the state of affairs for you then because I don't understand after two divorces how somehow you've gotten some, some magic formula and now number three is going to be great. Maybe somebody can explain that to me. But... In the strangest sense, the the melancholy or the depression or even some of the negativity, it seems to be a whole lot more in the writing about divorce than it is the writing about death. Maybe just because they don't want to write anything negative about the dead person or about themselves or whatever. Could be that where it's just so easy to be bitter and vile and, and you know and, and off the end uh, if you're if you're divorced. Maybe that's the case. I'm not really sure, but it is unusual because, quite frankly, uh, death is final. Where divorce really isn't final in the sense of your life. You 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 have an opportunity to get you know married again, and, and maybe make that work. I also know plenty of people on the second marriage, and that second marriage has gone well about twenty past twenty years. So it's not like it can't happen, and people can get that other chance and you know and move on. So, but. That tends to be some rough stuff, um, and I tell you, there's really no difference between men and women, so you can throw the stereotype out the window. Oh, I can imagine the divorce stuff from women versus men. No, there isn't any difference. I've seen some bitter rough stuff from men just as much as women, so I don't really find a difference at all. They all tend to want to throw rocks and, and, and bombs, and, 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 and you know, everybody's this and everybody's that, and you know... I do know from being around people uh, that are like that and that have been like that, the more bitterness to hear, the more you know that both people are pretty much involved in this sort of stuff. There's no one versus the other, you know. Usually that's what divorce is about. Both of them have gone their own ways and, and, now, and now they're you know angry and bitter. You don't see too many positive divorces. I guess if they were positive, why would they divorce? So... That's why when you see that self, that Hollywood stuff, you know that's a bunch of baloney. Because, you know, why are they any better or different than anyone else? 
this is a positive divorce, and we like each other, and we're going to do this for the kid, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, meanwhile, the microphone's off, and they're throwing stuff and cursing and screaming and, you know, hiring private detectives against each other. So I doubt they're any different than anybody else. But, again, my advice would be with those who divorce is it's important to try to write about it as much as you can. See what you can learn about yourself through the therapy that you can get from writing. And if there's anything you can learn, it's important that you try to learn that. Because I think that's one of the biggest reasons why people keep getting divorced is they're not learning anything. And it's not about that they're not learning anything about the other person. It's they're not really learning anything about themselves. They're the same imperfect individual they were before. They didn't get any improvement in them. They didn't get any insight, any wisdom. So they keep doing it over and over and over again. It's, it's amazing. Three, four, five marriages? I don't get it. I mean, what's the point? It's expensive. It's crazy. It's, you know, I couldn't do it after this one. I'll tell you the truth right now. I'm not one of those people that ever get married again if this, this didn't work out. Be happy to be by myself. Believe me. Writing suits it perfectly too, by the way. So thank you very much, writing. But yes, I definitely would recommend you do so. Um, I've known people that have stopped for years. You know, but quite frankly, uh, divorce uh, to me, it, it can also be a, a crutch for people. You know, yeah, I haven't gone for dating for five years because I got divorced. Yeah, I haven't written for 10 years because I was divorced. You know, yeah, I didn't uh, talk to anyone uh, about anything for four years because I was divorced. It, it, it becomes an excuse. I mean, quite frankly, if you think about it, uh, once you're divorced, you're divorced. It's over with. There really isn't any reason to talk about it anymore. <laughs> or to let it stop you from anything because that, that's crazy you're just damaging your life you're curtailing any kind of freedom because right now you're in some kind of an emotional prison really and, and, and you, you just harm all, all the happiness that you could be happy and remember your happiness doesn't have to come from another person I know plenty of people that they never got married again and they're happy they go out on dates they go out on this they do on and that but they prefer the freedom this is how they, they found out that that's the best thing for them. So that's fine, too. It's not for everyone in marriage. You know, it really isn't. So no one says you have to venture back into it. But I tell you, letting this divorce become some excuse for you just to mope around and not do anything with your life on the, on the personal side is damaging. You don't know when that day is going to come that you're going to die or you're going to be in an accident. You're going to have something happen to you're going to lose something about your life. And, and then what are you going to do then? Sit there and reflect in a wheelchair about, yeah, I let those 14 years go out the window. Because that's exactly what you did. So if you thought you were sad and messed up before, having some more of it being lost, it, it doesn't make any sense. You need to jet back on the horse. And the horse doesn't have to be marriage. I just say the horse is life. you got to get back to life. I know some people that trekked around the world, or some people that changed their, their careers and their jobs, some people that... Simply wanted to work on themselves. Did some yoga, did some poetry, did some travel. Pfft, nothing wrong with any of that. But do not let that sort of separation harm the person you can still become. Sometimes divorce is the right thing. It's the healthy thing. And then from there you could become the better person you are. Sometimes we get married for wrong reasons. Sometimes we get married too young. Sometimes it runs its course like anything else, you know? Like potato salad. There's a point you can't eat it anymore. You get sick. I mean, it's the same thing. So think about it like that. 
But keep the poems coming. Keep writing about it. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I never say, oh, it's another divorce poem. You know, it's just another poem that happens to be about divorce. Maybe this one will be interesting. Maybe this one will be clever. Maybe this one will, will you know, hit, hit some points. Uh, you know, a few do. A lot, a lot don't. You know, and I'll send it. I'll send it back. But I try to give people a few extra notes when I detect that because I don't want them being any more depressed or any more hurt over that. So I try to little add a little extra to let them know, hey, I got I got what you're going through over there. Try this. Maybe do this. Maybe just try another subject for a little while then. But you know, I think it helps. I think it helps people. All right, dysfunction. I know it can be very vague and, and, and very bland and, uh, and very broad, okay? And I got that. We all have that. You know, we all have a certain dis- dysfunction about certain things. That's just, that's just life in general. Um, and we all tackle it in different ways, you know? Sometimes it comes from our own families as well. Sometimes families are dysfunctions or they help you to be dysfunctional, you know? You're going to meet people that, they tend to be paranoid. And when people have certain paranoias or they have certain unusual things about them, it usually means it stems from either their family life when they were growing up or maybe possibly a, a, a marriage that did something to them or currently doing something to them that makes them that way. Or they had some horrible event that happens to them that, you know, sort of like colors their perspective on things. I say it's good to write about those things. I know in a personal life, my, my advice has always been that you, you, you be as sensitive as you can, but there are also certain things that people will throw upon you that's not fair and you have to tell them. You know, like the dating person, and, and now they're, they're giving you the 57th degree and, and the evil eye and everything else, and there's a point where you got to say, listen, I'm not that person, okay? I'm not that guy that hurt you or whatever. So uh, you need to leave that someplace and not bring it to me because that doesn't help the situation. And if you can't do that, then going back to dating is not a good idea for you because every guy's going to get beat up. Every guy gets shot, you know, with your, with your, with your gun of retribution. And, and it's not fair to them. And really, in the end, it's not fair to you too because you might be building up a wall against people that could, uh, could be wonderful for you. But they're never going to get an opportunity because they're too much being disgusted and disrespected so try to keep that in mind okay but some people have other unusual tics and dysfunctions some of them come from culture okay don't get me wrong you can get certain dysfunctions from from culture about things you know you know italian people they tend to speak a lot with your hands we tend to be a little louder (laughs) a little more boisterous that's just who we are as a culture and sometimes people get used to that others you know they find that unusual. I've had to literally train myself to not speak with my hands if I'm in a, an interview or, or doing something closer with somebody in a professional way because it's too much of a distraction. It freaks them out. <laughs> it's great on a podcast. I can do whatever I want. but And, of course, in a personal setting, I don't really care. You know what I mean? They get used to it or they don't. You know, some instances you have to do whatever you can to curtail that. But it's okay. To write about these things. Some people can make fun of their own selves doing it and get a human piece out of it or maybe get some own comfort about their own uniqueness or their own exoticness or their own, I think what they used to say in the, in, in the British world, um, you know, um, he's touched. But, you know, I guess you can mean that negatively or positively. But I find a lot of people touch and it doesn't mean it's, a, it's some strange negative thing. 
It just, you know, they got that unusual connotations and, and you, you get used to it. And, and some of it is really a part of who they are, maybe even a part of their, of their character. So, and, and I'm all right with that. I, I, there's some dysfunctions I actually prefer, mainly because I'm one of those people, and maybe this is my dysfunction, but I do not trust uh, perfection. I don't trust people that pursue it. I don't trust it in itself. Don't like it. If you're trying to be too perfect to me, you're covering up something else. <laughs> and I don't want to know what it is. So I'm like, bye. Just don't want to be around people like that. Just like super duper clean freaks either. Okay? Keep your house clean. That's great. Don't come over and bother me with all that stuff. All right? And you got some folks like that. And again, yeah, you have to wonder what other issues they're, they're hiding or what they're doing. But dysfunction, I find that it's extremely important to write about, maybe even more than, than death and divorce. Because you can get something positive by exploring about it. And you can also relate to other people when they read your stuff. They can relate to you. You can also educate other people about this. You know, I know somebody that... Um, they have a, an unusual way of, of speaking. Not on purpose, this is the way they speak. And uh, unless you get used to it, it can be, it can be a, a, a exasperating at first. But this is who they are. But when they write, they don't write that way. And therefore, listening to them and then reading their work are two different things. You almost think it's like two different people. So it's, I think it's important that sometimes people with dysfunctions, um, their voice... Or maybe who they are might not get out as much just because that dysfunction kind of like mixes people up or distracts them or takes from the attention of who they really are. Where writing can still make that person everything. I read a poem from somebody who was autistic and it, to me it didn't sound any different than anyone else. And I would never have known if they didn't admit that in their, in their biography or mention it to me in email. So... They said it took them a little longer to organize their thoughts and put stuff together. I guess I can make some sense to that since autism is a, a, a type of a brain um, disorder. Um, but um, it's excellent to see and, and you want to see more of that, you know. I, I don't want to use it as some big example to hit somebody over the head. But at the same point, you know, if you got the autistic person writing a, 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 a wonderful poem, then, you know, you should be able to do the, the same yourself. When you don't have those kind of issues. So definitely keep that in mind. And uh, I'm so uh, I'm so happy to, to, to have gotten that. And, and, and to read that. And to publish that. And hopefully you get more down the line. I like that. And that's not exactly the classic person of being dysfunctional. But if you think about it though. Have you ever talked to somebody that's autistic. Even of a mild nature. You know, they do have sometimes certain ways of speaking or maybe certain expressions or possibly even just the way they move their body could be a bit different. Until you get used to that, that could be something that's distracting. And you might want to consider that as a sort of a, a dysfunction. But you can you can get around it and get to the heart of that person just like they're trying to do themselves. And I urge people to do that so this way they're not falling into prejudice or, or meanness or anything like that. Now... The reason I wanted to talk about all of this is because literally I've gotten writing along these lines, I don't know, a lot lately for some strange reason. Being the close of the, we're coming to the close of the summer, but 
I'm happy to get that. I mean, because getting so many poems about birds and butterflies and trees and the sun is so cool and maybe maybe Jupiter has oceans and you know, that's all wonderful. Don't get me wrong, but you also want to be able to get a nice, I feel healthy mix of things that may not be so healthy but still need to be talked about. Which is really what the show is about as well, too, is to talk about these things that normally don't talk about. You find a lot of writing shows, they're not going to talk about death or divorce or dysfunction or, you know, anything else. It's it's always some some bland uh, subject, uh, some famous writer that we all can get around. And it's never something that, that, that pushes the social norms or tries to investigate something that we should be talking about, you know, like writing therapy or depression, that sort of thing. And oftentimes, I don't, I don't really find that helpful. I don't know how that, that brings us to that other, that other level. Why do I devote my time listening to a podcast that's talking about stuff I already know about? And just so I can hear the bells and whistles of how cool they produce the show. <laughs> and you wonder why I, I am suspicious of... of of perfection, and that's why I put together the show in a way that's that's authentic, and and doesn't always it's not always gonna be perfect. I mean, I made a couple boos here and there. It happens, you know. I think one time we you can hear a cat at the door because the cat was trying to get into the office. Another time, I had the whole um, introduction got messed up, and I, I couldn't fix it. I did the best I can. Oops, try to let people know, you know. We've had a couple people use some minor curse words, nothing too crazy. Thankfully, the network didn't freak out on me. wasn't anything big. You know, and as much as I tell you that the show is not political, and it isn't, I never really talk directly about political subjects, you get some things that slip in there now and then. Sometimes it's just because I'm trying to illustrate another point. Other times it just got in there just because it's something maybe I was thinking about. Oops. You know, so if you want to call me on it and call me inconsistent, it doesn't bother me. I call myself human, and I call myself a writer. So <laughs> that's how I, I, I live with all of that. Um, someone asked me when I did the Q&A just the other day, um, and you'll you'll hear that here uh, you know, in another week or so, about depression, if I'm going to do another depression episode. And I'm and it, it, it's a deed I didn't include in this show of divorce, uh, death, and its function, mainly because I, I, I did the show already, and I don't really know too much more to add to it, you know, I relate as much as I can relate on a personal basis on post-stress situations, but I haven't really encountered the depression the same way other people have, you know, and I still root for the people out there that I haven't got a chance to interview because they still feel like they're afraid or can't do it or, 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 or whatever. I mean, I, I, it, to me, it's sad because it's, it's ruining a part of them that could be out there. And I think honestly that it hurts their writing because now that's not out there as well either. No, no one knows more about it, you know, but I, I don't have a say in that because it's still up to a person. You can't drag somebody in these situations and and hope for the best because that, that's a waste of their time and mine. And quite frankly, that could be more damaging and, 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 and traumatic for them than if you just left them alone. So I leave the door open for those folks and hopefully one day they'll they'll feel they can walk through it. If not, if, if not, if not, it, it doesn't mean that I didn't give it the best shot because I do. But I'm not going to go on accent everybody every other week. Hey, are you over that yet enough so we can have a show? No. I just, you got to move on. Some of them still listen to the show, thankfully. And maybe as they're hearing me now, they'll understand that they still have that invitation. And I'm more than ready to go. But 
and you really can't do more beyond that. But yes, I like to come back to some of those other subjects whenever I have something new to talk about. It has to be something interesting and new. You know, you can't talk about the same stuff because that doesn't really uh, move anything for all of us forward. It doesn't it just stays the same then. Okay. And I really did enjoy the QA session we had. Um, ironically, though, no one did talk about dysfunction, death, or divorce. <laughs> so I'm kind of glad I had the show just because of that reason alone. And keep this in mind, although, okay? You are still human as a writer, but we are also expecting you to sort of do whatever you can to rise above certain things because that's how you maintain being a writer. As much as I, I preach that writers are human and you can't expect every great thing to come out of them, they're now all superheroes with capes running around, I got, and I expect that. It also means, though, that you do have that extra burden to do whatever you can to rise above your own situation so that you can write and impart things over to us. Because that's what a writer does. A writer does that with the issues that come to them in the world every day, on their own issues, their health, their family, their their marriage, their job, all of that. So you still have that responsibility to do so. Otherwise, you start uh, slipping into nothing, and then you just you're not a writer anymore because you have to learn to to try to get above that. So it's another function of the show is to help people get above some of those things so they can still. Maintain being the writers that they, they want to be, or dream to be, expect to be, what I expect them to be. So, yes, you, you, you do that. And that is a, a form of courage. Remember, for, courage is not about the suspension uh, of, 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 of fear. It's, it's about really just, just on a very small temporary basis getting over something to get something done. And then maybe you go back to being fearful again. You can't stop fear. It doesn't mean like you shut the button and then it goes away. But you need to get over those things if you're going to maintain being a writer. And that's really what a writer is supposed to be doing. So please do not forget that. Okay? A writer does whatever they can to get over things. Shows like this can help them. Maybe see a, a bigger world out there. Reach for some deeper faith. You know, grab onto whatever power they want to, and higher power, coke power. You know, uh, have taken an aspirin power, whatever you're going to be able to try to do to try to give you that little bit of extra edge. But it is important that you don't allow those things to drag you down because you have the extra burden on doing something more than the average person. You know, it, it, it reminds me one time I listened to a, a police officer talk in the interview about. I don't understand why they expect more from me. And I'm like, really? You're lucky I'm not your boss because I would have fired you on the spot. You're a cop. You're supposed to be enforcing the law. You're supposed to be helping us to enforce the law. And you're supposed to be taking in people that don't. And sometimes you have to use your weapon to do so to protect us. So we should expect more from you. Yes, not less, more. You're a police officer. I expect more from you. I don't even care if you're off duty. You're not supposed to be getting drunk and acting like a fool because you're a police officer, whether you're on duty or not. So to me, a writer is the same way. You have a special gift. You have a special vocation. Remember, countries like France, they'll, they'll treat you like, you're, like a rock star because they know how important writers are to their history and to the world. So you cannot forget that. And if you don't want that burden, then there's other things you can do. You don't have to be a writer. But that's what's expected of you. It's what I expect of you. It's what you should learn to, to expect from yourself. 
I don't mean that you can't take hits from the world now and then. I don't mean you can't take a breather when you when you have things that happen in your life. Because yes, you can and you should. But it, it should not be. Uh, I wouldn't call it an excuse, but it should not be a, a way for you to to stop doing it just because uh, you can't figure out how to wrestle your pain. Rogers talk about pain all the time, so talk about your pain then, okay? Maybe you can't talk about somebody else's pain. Maybe you don't even have a solution to somebody else's pain or even your own. But talking about it is still a form of therapy for yourself and it's a form of therapy from others out there. Every time someone hears you and they understand that you're going through something that's similar to what they are, maybe even the exact same thing they're going through, that's a connection you made that wasn't made before. You could actually save somebody's life that way. So consider that the power you have as a writer and your responsibility and what we all expect from you and what you need to learn to expect from yourself, okay? If you're going to um, deal with death and if you're going to uh, live past divorce and if you're going to find a way to, to make the function a part of your life. If you can't get rid of it, then make it part of your life, you know? It's like being in a picnic area with a big lemonade. And you can't figure a way how to stop those little gnats from flying in your lemonade. Eventually, just drink the lemonade with them in it. Oh, well. I'd rather do that than let them stop me from drinking my lemonade. What's a couple of gnats in my body? Versus a great cup of lemonade. So, that's my advice for you folks. And until next time in our next wonderful episode... I wish you well, and thank you very much for joining us here at Strength to be Human. Thank you for listening. Please follow the show and visit our blog at strengthtobehuman.blogspot.com.